Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Adistro. And this week, in this episode, I am talking about Batman. It's the Batman episode because we saw the first look of Robert Pattinson in the new movie, The Batman. And it's pretty interesting and causing some debate online on whether or not Robert Pattinson will be a good Batman because everybody kind of knows him as Edward Cullen from Twilight. So I'll get into all we know about that movie up to this point from the director... I'll also rate the best Batman actors of all time and the best villains. So all that coming up in this special Batman episode. And I'll also do a review of the movie I saw over the weekend, Sonic the Hedgehog, which is a movie that made my most anticipated movies of this year. So we'll find out if it was even any good. And if you're new here, hi, welcome to the show. I am Movie Mike. I am also on a show called The Bobby Bone Show, and I produce a show called The Bobby Cast, also here on the Nashville Podcast Network. I'm a guy who loves movies. Ever since I was a kid, I watched a bunch of movies, and then as I got older, I just started reviewing them on my Instagram. A few years later, I have a podcast. But if you end up listening to this podcast and enjoy it, tell a friend about it. And if you don't mind, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Just scroll down there. It's really easy to do and takes about 30 seconds, and it helps other people like you who love movies discover this podcast and get in on this action. So that's all you have to do. Or wherever you're listening, just hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button so you get brand new episodes every single Monday, all right? So with all that covered, here we go with the Batman episode. Let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So this episode I am dedicating entirely to Batman because last week we had the first ever look at Robert Pattinson as the new Batman. And I want to kind of explain what's going on and what we know so far about that movie what I think that Robert Pattinson will bring to the role if he will even work as Batman. And then I'll also get into later who I think the best Batman actors ever were and the best villains. So first of all, let's just look at what this movie is going to be. So there has not been a solo Batman movie since the Dark Knight trilogy. 
everything that came with Ben Affleck was all just, it was Batman versus Superman. He was in the Suicide Squad for a bit. And then they did the Justice League. So I think Ben Affleck really never had a fighting shot to be a decent Batman to show what he could do in that role because he never really had his own solo standalone movie. It was a bit of a controversial casting back in the day when that was announced just because people don't really see Ben Affleck as Batman or they just didn't think he was that great of an actor. And I kind of feel like Robert Pattinson is getting that a bit now. It's such a big role to play. Christian Bale did such a good job as the Batman. And now I think it's such a more coveted role, even more so than Joker, which we've seen with Joaquin Phoenix, done a really good job with that. So anybody who's going to play Batman now has a really just high level that they have to come in with. So everybody kind of thinks is Robert Pattinson is still the Twilight guy. And even though that first movie came out over 10 years ago, they just see him as Edward from Twilight. But after this first look that we have, if you haven't seen it, the director Matt Reeves posted this like minute long video. It's pretty much just a close up on Robert Pattinson in the bat suit with a really flushed out red look. So it's just this music playing underneath it and you kind of get zoomed in. You see the see the mask and you see the plate and pretty much that's it. There's no voice, no talking or anything. That's the only thing we've seen so far of this new Batman. So the title of the movie as of now is called The Batman. The scheduled release date is June 25th, 2021. Uh, my 30th birthday, shout out. Um, the cast, we have Robert Pattinson, Joe Manganiello, Colin Farrell, Jeremy Irons, Zoe Kravitz, and Jeffrey Wright so far cast in the movie. Um, rumors were that Jonah Hill was gonna be in it. He's not, he backed out. So this is who we're working with now. I'll get into all of their roles here in a second, but I think this first look is pretty promising. I know he was getting a lot of comparisons as to looking like the Daredevil from the Netflix series, which I think it's all because of that red tint. You could probably argue that the Daredevil suit essentially sold the Batman look, which I don't think it's a bad thing. Hey, I would love it if it was resembled that Netflix series at all, because that's a really great way they pulled off a comic book character and made it super gritty and realistic. So if they get back to that, I think that would be amazing. But with this movie, like I said, it's the first solo Batman movie they've done since the Dark Knight trilogy. And I think they're kind of getting back to Batman as being the greatest detective ever because that's essentially what he is. Batman is an aide to the police in Gotham City. And although he is a vigilante, he usually works with the police to find the criminal that they're looking for. And in other movies, he's already kind of established and essentially there's a villain that comes to town and he goes in and helps defeat them. But I think with this one, there's no real set plot of the movie, but they're saying it's based on the graphic novel Batman year one which is essentially batman's first year as batman where he's kind of figured things out as a detective and essentially solving the crime so kind of like in the other earlier batman movies they did he's essentially going to be working with officer gordon to kind of figure it out which i think is a pretty cool way to approach this new movie of kind of giving him back of that initial role as just being a detective there's also really no word if there's going to be any kind of origin story in this movie, which I think it's something they should probably stay away from. They tried it in Batman versus Superman, and I thought it didn't work. I think we kind of know Batman's story by now, and maybe it's a bit overtold. I think kind of what happened with like something like Spider-Man, we were just kind of over that origin story being told every single time. We kind of got fatigue of that character. And what Marvel kind of did in the new version of spider-man is just go right into it don't get into his backstory you make subtle references to it but you don't really need to tell or show that again to audiences i hope they stay away from that in this movie 
So let's get a look now at where they are with making this movie. So they started production back on January 27th. You have Andy Serkis, who will play Bruce Wayne's butler, Alfred. You have Colin Farrell confirmed to play Oswald Copperpot, also known as the Penguin, which I think is a pretty interesting casting there. I'm not really sure that I could find Colin Farrell as a villain like that. You have Paul Dano, who you might know from Little Miss Sunshine or There Will Be Blood. He will be playing the Riddler. You have Zoe Kravitz, who you may know from Big Little Lies. She will be playing Catwoman. Jeffrey Wright from Westworld will be playing James Gordon. And then, of course, you have Robert Pattinson playing Batman. So this movie has had a pretty long journey as far as getting made. They started pretty much coming up with this idea back in 2014 before all of the Ben Affleck Batman movies came out. And after the first reactions of that, they were like, okay, maybe we're not going to really have Ben Affleck move forward with this project. And he eventually later tweeted that like, you know, I'm glad to see this being taken into production, but I'm not going to be involved in it. It was a pretty peaceful departure between the studios and Ben Affleck. So when I first heard that Robert Pattinson was going to be Batman, I think I had the reaction that maybe most other people had of like, oh no, it's Edward Cullen who's going to be Batman. But the more I thought about it, the more I've just seen his recent work and realized that, man, Robert Pattinson is a really good actor. And if you're going to put somebody to kind of compare, I, I don't even think you're comparing him to Ben Affleck anymore. I think that came and went, never really stuck. So I think people are comparing him to Christian Bale because with this movie, they're trying to go that same route of being that dark, gritty Batman again. And I think by casting Robert Pattinson, you kind of get a really great actor who can kind of go and make it that kind of movie again. I think it's hard for characters who get typecast and Robert Pattinson, I think, is someone who kind of realized that and started taking on. He was more particular of what roles he took after Twilight. He really wanted to lean more towards roles that kind of showed him as an actor. And I'm pretty confident in this director, Mike Reeves, who, if you don't know, he did Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War of the Planet of the Apes, which were really great reboots of a beloved franchise and almost, I think, better than the originals. He also did movies like Cloverfield. And just by this clip they released, I kind of have a good feeling going into it. Again, we have a pretty long way to wait until 2021. But I'm excited to see more details as they come out about this movie as far as what they're going to make it about. And just what this cast is going to look like on screen together. But I think what I love the most about this movie is that it's just stacked with the villains, which I think is what sets Batman apart from any other superhero franchise. So you're getting Catwoman, Riddler, Penguin, and Carmine Falcone. So I think if they're able to get the writing right in this script and just have a really good understanding of the concept of this movie and what this story is going to tell, if they're basing it on that graphic novel, I think that's awesome. I just think that's really important and will kind of play out on whether or not this will be a hit or another flop. Because I think that just the fact that it's stacked with all the villains, you got Catwoman, Riddler, Penguin, and Carmine Falcone all in one movie. I think they have a lot working for them. They just have to kind of nail down the story and get it right. And also just kind of get Robert Pattinson, his suit right in the movie and his character, like all, while in the suit and while not in the suit. I think if they can get all those things right, this has a great setup to be a good Batman movie, which I think audiences are just ready for again. I think it's a great time to come in 2021, and I'm excited to see when they release the actual trailer on this and just kind of get more details on the story. So what I want to do next is go through who I think are the best actors to ever play Batman, now that Robert Pattinson will be the new one. And I also want to get into the best Batman villains ever because I think what sets DC apart from really Batman apart from any other superhero is that it has these memorable villains that you want to see who's going to play them. 
So I want to get into that next here, right after this, on this special edition Batman episode. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old <laughs> Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to get into now who I think are the best and worst actors to ever play Batman. I'll rank them from worst to best, starting with number six. So I'm only looking at actors who played him on the big screen um, nothing in the animated stuff. Sorry, unless there was a movie about them, they are not making the list. So at number six, going back to 1997's Batman and Robin, which was arguably, in my opinion, the worst Batman movie ever made. And George Clooney just suffered 
a bad script, a overall just bad concept of a movie, and I just never really saw him as a great Batman. Everything from the suit with the nipples on it, it if you remember that. I don't know why they decided to get Batman nipples. And it just wasn't a great movie. Even though it had some pretty good villains in it. You had Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Which is a great villain. But it was just overall cheesy. One-liners. Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. And just kind of a hokey movie for Batman. You kind of wasted Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. They threw in Batgirl in there with Alicia Silverstone. And Bane was in it for really no reason other than being a big muscle for Poison Ivy. He never even said a word in the movie. I think that was a wasted character. I just think overall that Batman and Robin story was one that didn't need to be told in the Batman franchise. But I think everybody did okay after that movie. George Clooney survived. At number five, I went the year before with Batman Forever, which Val Kimmer played Batman, which I don't think was as bad of a movie as... Uh, George Clooney's Batman. I think it was overall a decent movie. I actually liked some parts of it, but I didn't feel like Val Kilmer as Batman was really believable. And even that he wanted to play the part because he had a pretty bad relationship with the director in this movie. They went like two weeks without even speaking because they were just kind of going back and forth at each other's like Val Kilmer was kind of trying to direct the movie and they were just at each other's throats throughout of it to where it got to a point for two weeks they did not speak on the set and the director was like that was the best two weeks of the entire production so that probably has a big part to play into why this movie overall didn't work so michael keaton was actually going to play batman for the third time in this movie but after he got the script he realized that it wasn't going in the direction he wanted it to be in so he was out and days later they cast val kilmer as batman that signal is not a beeper you're trying to get under my cape doctor <laughs> Try firemen, less to take off. There were also a bunch of other potential castings from Daniel Day-Lewis, Kurt Russell, Alec Baldwin, Ethan Hawke, Tom Hanks, Johnny Depp, and even Billy Baldwin, who were all rumored to be cast as Batman in this movie that eventually went to Val Kilmer. Overall, I think he just didn't really fit the part. He didn't really look right in the suit, and he was outshined in the end by Jim Carrey's The Riddler. So I put him at number five. At number four, I'm going back to the 60s. This was a movie called Batman the Movie, and probably one of the most iconic people to ever play Batman could arguably say if he did not play Batman, no one else would have to come. I'm giving it to Adam West, first of all, R.I.P. Adam West. But I think those Batman, just the show alone was iconic back in the 60s, and I remember watching that as a kid on TV Land, and I was already a fan of the Batman movies. But watching the show and watching him in Batman the movie, I just thought... <laughs> that it was a really important part in Batman's history. The zany kind of throwbacks that people go to now, of like the whole, they throw a punch and there's a wham, bam on the screen. I think that was really important to Batman. How it went from a, a cheesy 60s TV show turned into movie, I think that was just a really important thing to know for Batman. I think just for the suit alone, it's a reason to put him above the other people. That's an iconic Batman suit that only Adam West could pull off. And it's also where we get the classic Batman theme song. And even though that movie was poorly reviewed back in the day, I still think it's a great thing to go back and watch to get a history of Batman. That's why I put Adam West at number four. And at number three, I'm going Ben Affleck. I know it's going to be a bit controversial just because people didn't really like him overall, but I think he didn't get a fighting chance to be the Batman because he didn't get his own standalone movie. 
He was thrown into kind of this whole world of they wanted to make him different than Christian Bale's Batman. So they made him bulkier. They made the logo different. They made him just overall be a different Batman. And I don't think he was ever really given a shot to make the character his own. While the movies weren't great, I didn't hate him as Batman. And I think if they didn't start him out in Batman versus Superman, he would have had a better chance to kind of make that role a bit better. And they could have even tweaked it from going from that to a big flop. Because I can look at Ben Affleck and think, oh yeah, he could be Batman, unlike maybe some of these other people. And I think it would have worked with a better script. But I'm glad that they kind of went away from that and went with Robert Pattinson in this new one. I just think overall he got a raw deal and I enjoyed him suiting up as Batman. So I put him at number three. And before I get into my number two, I want to give an honorable mention to Will Arnett, who played Batman in the Lego movies. Because I'm Batman. Don't you think it's time you finally faced your greatest fear? Snakes? No. Clowns? No. Snake clowns? Which I think were just fun movies and kind of bridged my gap of wanting new Batman stuff, but in a different kind of capacity. I thought those movies were fun, especially the standalone Batman Lego movie. He brought a fun comedic side to Batman that I think nobody really knew that they wanted. But once you saw it, you were like, oh, yeah, this is actually pretty good. So shout out Will Arnett as Batman. All right, getting to my top two now, which there's really only two left you can go with. And I have to go and consider who I think is just a more iconic Batman and who I think just fits the role of like overall what it should be. So at number two, I'm putting Christian Bale. I like that. And even though he put Batman back on the map with the Dark Knight trilogy and bring in his raw and fresh look at Batman, I think overall he was a great Batman and he was able to make it less comic booky and just give him a more real life character to the role. I think what I love most about what Christian Bale did with him is the voice. Like that's an iconic voice that I think no one else has really done before. And it's something you really remember about those movies and everybody kind of does their own impression of it. I think the main reason why I didn't rank him higher is because in the first one, Batman Begins, that was an okay movie. He didn't really have a great villain in that. And I think later what really ended up working for those movies were aside from him being Batman was the villains he had up to go against and having really great supporting characters with Joker and Bane. And a lot of it too was also Christopher Nolan's vision of the character and story. So while I think overall the Dark Knight movies are the best Batman movies, Christian Bale on his own isn't the responsibility of that. So I put him at number two. And to those who think it should be number one, well, I have this for you. Oh, good for you. And how was it? So at number one, we're throwing it way back to the OG 1989 and 1992 Batman and Batman Returns. I'm going with Michael Keaton. I think it was just such an iconic thing for me as a kid to see Michael Keaton as Batman. He just worked. Now, at the time, it was a bit controversial to place Michael Keaton in this role because he was known more as a comedic actor at the time because he had just worked with director Tim Burton, who did these first two Batman movies on Beetlejuice. And Tim Burton is the one who wanted him to be Batman. He's like, you can't really put a straight up action star in that, which is what they wanted to do. They wanted to cast somebody like a Mel Gibson a Kevin Costner, even like a Bill Murray is who they were wanting to go with. But he was saying, once you have somebody, if you take one of those action stars and put him in the bat suit, it's going to be a little more comedic because you're expecting him just to be a straight up action star. But with Michael Keaton, you have this character who can be like a normal guy. And once you put him in a bat suit to fight criminals, you, it makes more sense. He was just trying to stay away from unintentional audience laughs in the movie by putting him as a character. So Tim Burton fought for him and he ended up winning. 
and he was cast in the first two Batman movies, which were really great movies, not only for their villains, but overall just for the straight-up story of Batman. I think his character just set the tone of that initial dark Batman role, and it wasn't until later they came back to it where they saw even more success with Batman. So I put Michael Keaton as the best actor to ever play Batman. What are you? I'm Batman. And with that, now I want to get into who I think are the best villains ever in Batman. So I'm just going to go one villain, one person to play them. I'll do that next. So I think what makes the Batman movies great and really stand apart from any other superhero franchise is that it has iconic villains that you remember and that you want to see played by great actors. Unlike Marvel, which I think has a bit of a villain problem because until Thanos really came around... All of the villains were really forgettable. You can't really go back and think of like, oh, who was the bad guy in that movie? They're really just put into that movie for like a one-off, essentially. You could argue Venom and maybe some others, but really there's nobody who stands alone. Unlike in Batman and the DC franchise, they have really iconic villains. So I want to go through and just say who I think are the best villains to ever appear on screen, who played them, and the movie they were in. So at number five, I'm going with Tom Hardy as Bane in The Dark Knight Rises which I think was just a really great interpretation of Bane, just basically just from the mask, which everybody did the impression of, oh, your punishment must be more severe. Like, I love doing that impression. And I think it was just such a cool and kind of ominous way to do that character. And Tom Hardy got ripped up for that movie. Almost unrecognizable. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. Molded by it. And overall, in that movie, he was really just a character that I rooted against. Even though I loved him, he was one that just seemed undefeatable and really made that movie worth watching. Again, not the Bane from Batman and Robin. That Bane was terrible, but Tom Hardy as Bane, the number five Batman villain of all time. At number four, I gotta go Jim Carrey. I know Batman Forever was overall not a great Batman movie, but I think Jim Carrey as the Riddler was the really standout star of that movie. He was just so Jim Carrey in it, playing it so crazily. And I think overall, that's what I remember more of that movie as a kid. But you can call me the Riddler. I think it's funny that him and Tommy Lee Jones in that movie who played Two-Face just hated each other on set. And I think it's mainly because Jim Carrey outacted Tommy Lee Jones in that. His character is just so over the top, so kooky, everything from the costume design. I was all for it, and I want to see how it's kind of played out in this new The Batman movie. I don't think he'll be as zany. I don't think he'll be as crazy, and maybe even the costume will be a di bit different. But I think it's such a great character, even from back in the TV show. It was awesome. So I put him at number four. At number three, I gotta go Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman in Batman Returns. First of all, I love the origin story they had for Selena Kyle in this Batman Returns. And I think Michelle Pfeiffer just played that super great. And I think Michelle Pfeiffer was just a perfect fit for that role. I thought the suit was great. She had some great one-liners in the movie. Life's a bitch. Now so am I. And I think overall, she has been the best interpretation of what the Catwoman character is as Batman's love interest and in the end, the villain. And as we see later down the line, Catwoman is kind of a hard story to tell we saw with the Halle Berry flop and I'm not really even that big a fan of Anne Hathaway as Catwoman I think her character doesn't really embody what Catwoman is like Michelle Pfeiffer did in Batman Returns not to mention probably one of the biggest crushes I had as a kid from a movie character so I gotta put her at number three 
At number two, I'm keeping it in Batman Returns and going to Penguin, played by Danny DeVito, which I think was perfectly cast just because Danny DeVito is just such an interesting-looking person on his own, and to put him in the Penguin costume and the Penguin suit and the way he played him was just so weird and so Danny DeVito made him a great villain in that movie. And that's kind of why I would have liked to see Jonah Hill in this because I think he would have brought a similar dynamic, being kind of a comedic actor and taking on this kind of dark, twisted role of a villain. Like Catwoman, Danny DeVito also had some great one-lines in that movie. You gotta admit, I played this stinking city like a harp from hell. <laughs> and at times you even feel bad for him in it, but you realize, oh man, he's actually a pretty bad dude. So that's why I put Danny DeVito as the Penguin at number two. All right, now I'm at number one of the best Batman villain of all time, and it easily goes to the Joker, but I kind of had to make a distinction here on whether I go with Heath Ledger or Joaquin Phoenix, which I've said Joaquin Phoenix is the best actor to ever play the Joker. I think because he was given his entire movie on his own that he had more time to develop that character and really sink into what makes the Joker twisted. But I always said that Heath Ledger was a more iconic role based on what happened around him, the fact that he locked himself in a hotel room for like two weeks to get the voices down right. So at number one, I have to go with Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight as Joker, as the best Batman villain of all time. I don't think he's a better Joker. I still say it's Joaquin Phoenix, but I think in Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, he's not really a Batman villain. Batman doesn't really show up in that movie. He is not fighting Batman. It's mainly just the story of Joker. But in The Dark Knight, he is straight up the antagonist and just the perfect villain ever in any comic book movie because he is fighting Batman for really no other reason than to fight Batman. He doesn't care about money. He doesn't care about any really control. He just wants to start straight up chaos. And I think that is what made his character so great. And what made that movie work is that he really didn't want anything other than to test Batman on what is right and what is wrong. And I think he set the bar for making that Joker character, again, one of the most iconic characters and biggest roles you can hop into in the Batman franchise. This also plays into why I put Christian Bale as the number two Batman, because in this movie, he is essentially outshined by the supporting character. While Heath Ledger is in the movie less than Christian Bale, but every time he's on screen, it's just so much more attention grabbing to the audience and the really what you remember most about that movie. So now I hope they don't make another Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. I hope they're done with it. I don't hope he crosses paths with Batman ever. I think that movie should just stand alone on its own. And I still think he is the best Joker ever. But as far as being a villain to Batman, you gotta go with Heath Ledger as number one. He sticks the blade in my mouth. Let's put a smile on that Face. All right, so that's all the Batman for this episode. I got a movie review next. I saw the Sonic the Hedgehog movie over the weekend, so let's get right into that. All right, gonna get into my review now of the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which I'm a 90s kid, so I was going into this movie with the intention of just wanting some good old nostalgia from the video game back in the day. I uh, played Sonic on Sega Genesis, and I just wanted to see a video game adaptation of a beloved childhood character. I was also a really big fan of the Saturday morning cartoon. So all that going into this, I just wanted it to be at least a decent movie. So right now, here's just a little bit of Sonic the Hedgehog, and then I'll give you some background on what happened with this movie and how it finally I came to life. My garage. They're coming for me. If they steal my power, they could conquer the universe. You have to help me. No, I don't. Please, it's life or death. Super Sonic. So this movie had a rough start. It was delayed about three months because 
when they first released the trailer for the movie, people were just creeped out by the design of Sonic. He looked a little weird and creature-ish. He had like really small beady eyes. His hands had like these really weird fingers. And even like the shoe design people were kind of complaining about. So the movie studio actually listened to people. They went and redesigned the entire Sonic character throughout the movie, which took him about three months to do. And they made his eyes a little bigger and bulgier, more cartoony. They gave him the actual kind of gloves that he wore in the video game. And when they released the trailer again, people were generally welcoming to what Sonic looked like now. But again, I think the big selling point of this movie is the fact that Jim Carrey was playing Dr. Robotnik. And I realized that when I had this in my highly anticipated movies episode at the beginning of the, uh, the year... I was calling him Dr. Robotnik because that's what Sonic called him in the cartoon. So if I sounded ridiculous saying that back in the day, that's why that cartoon had that pronunciation embedded in my head. So I went to see this movie and I kind of realized right away that the movie was not made for me, which is fine. I'm a 28 year old guy and they went the route of making this movie pretty much towards kids. I was cool with that. I realized that going into this, of course. It's a, it's a kid's character, it's a kid's video game. Of course, they're going to make it tailored more towards kids. But I don't think it stopped me from enjoying this movie because I think they actually did a pretty good job on it. I loved the subtle references to the video game. It opens up pretty much, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it opens up, and even just with the Paramount sign, instead of the stars, it has the rings from Sonic, from the game. And I, I think the only thing I kind of was let down by initially is that they didn't really give him a full backstory, which I thought when you give a character an entire movie, you kind of have at least more than like a few minutes at the beginning to kind of expand on what kind of world Sonic comes in. So in this movie, they paint Sonic as an alien creature who has to leave where he's from and he is sent to earth for safety so but that whole that whole scene kind of takes place within like the first two minutes of the movie you see him there as a kid and then all of a sudden he's here on earth i would have liked a little more there just to see how sonic was as a kid interacting with other kids and kind of making why like the, the the story of why he was kind of weird and different and making him leaving a little more dramatic and a little more telling to his character i would have liked a little more there but once I actually got into the story, I thought it was pretty good. It gets into it pretty quickly, and I think once Jim Carrey is on the screen, you kind of realize, oh, this is going to be a pretty fun movie, because although Sonic is the star of this movie, and he is the cartoon character, I almost think that Jim Carrey outshines him a bit as far as cartooniness. He kind of goes back to those days of him being Ace Ventura-ish. He kind of has those mannerisms again, and I think my laughs genuinely came from Jim Carrey more so than they did from Sonic. I thought the voice of Sonic did a pretty good job. It's Ben Schwartz, who you may know from Parks and Rec. Uh, the rest of the cast was okay. James Marsden plays the cop in this town, which they kind of form a relationship throughout the movie. I just thought the rest of the cast wasn't anything special, so I'm not a great judge of like what great acting is, but I can kind of feel when there's a bit of a disconnect in an animated movie like this because the hard part about this is Sonic is entirely a CGI character, so they make him all just with a computer put in later. So when they're actually filming the scenes, there's nobody really there they're talking to. So I think that was a little more apparent in this movie. You don't really get it from Jim Carrey's interactions. I think he is a great actor and he can kind of pull that off greatly. But I think the other actors, maybe it's a little more apparent that like, oh, they're just talking to nothing. And it's a little harder to exchange kind of a real dynamic between him and the characters throughout the movie. So I felt a little bit of a disconnect with that. But again, this is a kid's movie so me analyzing that is probably sounding a little overcritical on my part which i get 
overall, I thought it was a pretty fun movie. I enjoyed it, and it now has like the highest opening ever for a movie adaptation, making about $57 million, which is way more than they even expected it to make. And I think in a long line of kind of video game movies just bombing at the box office, because it's a very delicate thing to do, because kind of the same way book act book adaptations have like people are let down because like oh you can't explore as much as you can in the book with video games we grew up with these video game characters and we spend hours and hours <laughs> playing these games and you often wonder like oh what if they expanded on their story what would that be like so when you do give it the hollywood treatment you see it on screen you're like that's not really what i was expecting it's nothing is it doesn't give me that same feeling that i did with the video game and i think with this one you do get those you do get that feeling just a bit I, like I said, I wish they would have explored it a little more in his origin story. They kind of showed, like in the opening sequence, they did kind of show what a video game level would have looked like inside the movie. And then they made just really subtle references throughout the movie. There was no real adaptation of like, oh, this is straight up uh, something out of the video game into this movie. I think they kind of walked that fine line of like, okay, we're just going to make Sonic and put him on Earth. So take away that expectation of it being the straight up video game. I think before this, Detective Pikachu was probably the most successful, which I liked because in that movie, they set it up as, okay, it's Detective Pikachu. It's not a straight up Pokemon movie. So I think you kind of go into it with a bit of a different expectation. And I think they give fans of the video game just enough references to make you feel like, oh, you're not getting cheated here. There's even like subtle references to the video game soundtrack, which Sonic has probably one of the most iconic video game soundtracks of all time. And I like the subtle references, like even just taking like the video game music and putting in like a background, like a piano version. I thought that was a really cool touch. So like this one here. That's from the video game, and this is what they used in the movie. So stuff like that made it for me. Overall, I give it three out of five rings, which I think is pretty high for a video game adaptation because there's just so much to take on here. And like I said, that's also factoring in that it wasn't really made for an adult like me. It's made for kids. And I think now if I had like a little brother or maybe even a kid, <laughs> this would be a movie I would take them to. They would enjoy, and I would get that feeling of like, okay, this is cool, and maybe go back and show them the Sega video game. So overall, a really great step in the right direction of Hollywood, just not taking a big name and kind of slapping on a movie to it. And maybe if they get a little bit of a better cast and storylines coming out in the next movies, I think it could be a pretty solid franchise. All right, and that's my review of Sonic the Hedgehog. All right, and that's the episode for this week. Before I hop out of here, I'm going to give my Instagram shout-out of the week to John Riser, R-I-Z-E-R, who said he was listening bright and early on Monday morning. Shout-out to Josh for checking out the podcast. If you want an Instagram shout-out, all you have to do is just screenshot wherever you're listening to the podcast and post it in your Instagram story and tag me. And I'll pick some people, post them throughout the week, and then give you a shout-out here. Also, super cool if it comes up on your, your car dashboard and you have a little logo on it. Take a picture of that and tag me in that. Those are the coolest ones for me to see. Again, I announced the winner last week on my Instagram story. So thanks, everybody, for entering into that. Shout-out to the winner, Kelsey Waite, who won that movie prize pack. Uh, hopefully, you should get that this week. If you do, uh, take a picture of that and tag me in it so I can let everybody know that I really did give away that prize. If there's any suggestions you have for the podcast, just hit me up at Mike Distro on Instagram. I also have an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com if you have any movie questions or topics I should cover. And until then, I will talk to you guys next week on another Monday, an episode of Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Later. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.